Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional downloads where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast campfire and spend some time talking with other friends and writers who also love the Western genre. With me for this edition is award-winning novelist Larry Swayze. Larry D. Swayze is a best-selling novelist who has won the WWA Western Writers of America Spur Award for Best Short Fiction and for Best Paperback Original. He has also taken home two Will Rogers Medallion Awards for Western Fiction, a Best Books in Indiana Award, the inaugural Elmer Kelton Fiction Book of the Year presented by the Academy of Western Artists, and most recently was a finalist for the Western Fictioneers 2020 Best Western Novel for The Return of the Wolf. Larry has also published more than 80 nonfiction articles and short stories. He's a freelance indexer and has written indexes for over 1,000 scholarly and technical books. This work is the basis for his Marjorie Tremaine mystery series. He lives in Indiana and is hard at work on his next novel. More information about Larry's writing and indexing can be found at www.larryswayze.com. Thanks for reining in with me today, Larry. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Rich. I really appreciate it. I'd like to charge right out of the gate and have you tell us about two novels coming out this year with your name on them. Lost Mountain Pass is the first book in the Trusty Dawson U.S. Deputy Marshal series from Pinnacle, and Winter Seeks Out the Lonely, a Sonny Burton novel from Five Star. Let's talk Lost Mountain Pass. What can you tell us about Trusty Dawson and his first adventure? Uh, Trusty's a, an interesting new character to me. Trusty is a, a deputy U.S. marshal in the Indian Territory in 1888. So about a year um, before Oklahoma, the, the land rush opens up. So there is, you know, a huge amount of transition going on during that time. And um, Trusty finds himself escorting a judge back home after a hanging which is a typical U.S. Marshal duty. And he makes a, uh, a bad decision and puts his, his reputation and the judge's life on the line and really spends the whole book trying to redeem himself from this mistake. So I don't want to give too much away. That sounds like a great premise, though. You know, usually we uh, think of, uh, especially in a traditional Western, we think of the hero as... Uh, uh, somewhat faultless or flawless in some ways. And so the, the fact that, you know, he, he steps in it right out of the gate and then, uh, and then has to fix it through the, the book is, uh, I think, a lot of fun. The idea was exactly to kind of play against expectations of what the Western hero is. I kind of like to do that a little bit. So, you know, in his, you know, with his nickname being trusty because he had the reputation of always being on time, always being reliable, always being, you know, a great shot, always being trustworthy. And, and now he's faced with, is he who he said, you know, is, does, can he live up to his own reputation? Yeah. I, uh, I'd like to relate to our listeners that Larry was kind enough to submit an advanced review copy of the book to me uh, before our conversation. And uh, I had a chance to preview it a little bit and, uh, the dialogue, uh, Trusty's voice comes comes out really strong right from the beginning. Uh, you know, you, I just could I could visualize the character. Uh, the voice was solid. I, I really liked the character right out. 
So it's a great, it's a great premise and a great, great new series. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm really excited about it. So uh, I appreciate your kind words about the, about trusty. So that's, uh, that's, that's good to hear. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate it. I, I have uh, another compliment for you. Uh, I am over the top enamored with the literary titles of your Sonny Burton novels and the newest one, Winter Seeks Out the Lonely. What can you tell us about that? How does a Sonny Burton novel differ from a Trusty Dawson novel? You know, I think they're they're miles apart. Uh, the first one was A Thousand Falling Crows, and the second one was The Lost or the Last to Die. These books are set in the panhandle of Texas in the 1930s. So the original story in A Thousand Falling Crows, Sonny Burton had an encounter with Bonnie and Clyde, had a shootout with them based on a, a real-life event that happened in Wellington, Texas. Only I inserted Sonny into the into the situation. And Sonny, in, in the end, gets shot in the arm and loses his right arm. So he the first book is pretty much how he comes back to life and comes back to dealing with being a, a, a lawman who's no longer able to be a lawman, but gets pulled into an investigation by a friend of his. These books are, I don't want to use the word Steinbeckian because it's its really interesting. I just read The Grapes of Wrath after I finished writing the third Sonny Burton book, Winter Seeks Out the Lonely. Um, but there's, there's a lot of character building, a lot of landscape, and the mysteries are, are a little bit more focused in the Sonny Burton books than they are the trusty Dawson books. So you're no stranger to series characters having seen great success initially with Josiah Wolf, the most recent offering being last year's The Return of the Wolf. You also have two novels starring Lucas Fume and a mystery series with the Marjorie Tremaine books. How do you balance these different characters and titles? We talked about just briefly, there's a different time frame. How do you keep it all straight in your head and, and um, get it onto paper? You know, I take a lot of notes. I keep a lot of records and I also have, I don't know, a storage capacity. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. Some of those, the Lucas Fume, I'm not sure that I'll ever write another Lucas Fume. I'd kind of like to write at least one more to kind of fill out the series. Cause I don't think two books is a series. Marjorie, I would love to write more Marjorie books, but at the moment I don't see that happening anytime soon. So really, and this may be the last Sonny Burton book for a while. So my my main focus right now is on the Trusty Dawson series. But yeah, it's just, it's a matter of if I work in one time period, like the Marjorie books were set in the early 1960s in the North, in North Dakota. So to jump from that to the Trusty book set in 1880s in Indian Territory, for me, as a voracious reader and a curious person, you know, the opportunity for research and the opportunity to go into a different time period is exciting and pulls me in to have a good time. And I hopefully that that'll translate to the reader too. I think readers do appreciate that too, uh, especially if they find a writer like you that they really like to have a trusted ally in a new territory or new, you know, in a new genre, even we're talking mysteries and Western here. You know, I remember Bill Kreider, who was a, a great Western author and a great mystery author. He would always say that the line between mystery and Western for him would blur considerably. How about you? Are, are mysteries and Westerns two sides of the same 
writing coin? And do you prefer one or the other as a reader? Do you prefer one or the other? Well, to go back to Bill Kreider, he was nice enough to read the first Sonny Burton book and gave me a really nice quote for that book. And I met Bill on a couple occasions and he was a true gentleman. And I, I tend to agree. I think the, the lines blur between Westerns and mysteries. You know, my Marjorie Tremaine series is set in 1964, North Dakota, but it's a woman on her own, pretty much, you know, on the plains, facing the elements and all the dangers around her. And I don't think that gets more Western than that. But, you know, according to the librarians and the booksellers, it's a mystery. But to me, it's still a Western. Paul Bishop and I just had a talk about that with the the movies of Chloe Zhao. You know, she uh, just had the the Oscar for Nomadland. And Paul and I disagree on Nomadland, whether it's a Western. But her earlier two films are certainly Westerns, even though they take place in a contemporary. The writer is one of my favorite movies. I just, I think it's spectacular. It really is. It really yeah. is. She just, she just has such a, a great voice that comes through. Um, yeah, we're on the same page. I think No Man Land is, or no, yeah, I think it's the Western, uh, through and through. Absolutely. So along those lines, who are some of your inspirations in the past or in the present? Oh, wow. As far as writers or filmmakers or? Sure. I mean, Anything. I, 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 I have a lot of inspirations. I mean, I think Bill Kreider, absolutely. Joe Lansdale, James Lee Burke, and as far as, you know, contemporary writers. Steinbeck, definitely a Steinbeck person. Filmmakers, boy, I, you know, talking about Chloe, I'm really interested to see what she's going to do next. And I think she's working in the Western genre. You know, and then you've got, you know, Elmore Leonard, who wrote some amazing Westerns before he broken through in, in the crime novels. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty common for some, especially the older guys. Think of Dom- Donald Hamilton, who wrote the Matt Helm series, and then also he started in West writing westerns. I think it just I think there's a long line of that. So you know those guys who set set the the, the standard before me in the previous generation. I mean, I have nothing but great admiration for them and, and for their writing. Um, Jack Schaefer, uh, you know, I, everything always goes back to Shane, the novel, especially being a Midwesterner. He was from Cleveland, Ohio. Alan LeMay was from Indianapolis. Those guys, I'm rooted in, the, I guess, the old newspaper guys who started writing Westerns in the 50s and 60s. So Yeah. Yeah, those newspaper guys and the, the Midwestern guys that had such a such a sensibility for the spaces and and uh, the wide open spaces of the West, even if they didn't live there, they they started to understand that, and they had such a great sense of uh, dialogue and pacing too, which yeah. I think I think probably comes from writing for newspapers and the pulps too. Yeah, exactly. And Jack Schaefer had never been West when he wrote Shane. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's fascinating. You know, we mentioned James Lee Burke. You know, there's a guy that he just draws you right in with so much depth. You know, there's so much depth to the the setting. You know, everything's alive. That's the thing I think about uh, Burke. That everything, whether it's a a, a street, a, you know, a rainy a rainy street or a, a dank day or whatever, it's everything has some sense of of life to it. I see that with your your work too. Well, I appreciate that. I think those sensibilities really appeal to me, and I think I like to be a you know full sensory writer. I like to disappear into into a James Lee book and get away from the real world. And I hope that 
as a writer, that's what I've always aspired to do is to be able to give the, my readers that experience to walk into the world that, that I've created and walk in it with me as into the story. And hopefully the story lives on after they're done with the book. So did you always want to be a writer? Yeah, I think so. Um was in high school theater and early on, even in junior high school, I was involved in the theater and I toyed with being an actor. But I just, I, there's a lot of reasons why that didn't fulfill itself. But I wrote, started writing really early on. I lived in a house that where my mom was a voracious reader. My uncle was a sports writer for the local, local news. There's that Midwestern writer kind of guy. And he was a, he loved Ellery Queen. He loved mysteries. He loved John D. McDonald. So those books were always coming into our house. And, you know, my uncle, I think he really wanted to be, a novelist, a writer, but it just never worked out for him. So yeah, I, there's really nothing else that once I got into adulthood that I ever really ever wanted to be. And everything that that I did was either to support my habit of being a reader and writer, or just true focused on on becoming a published writer. And even the career that you have had, other than writing, you're indexing obviously has something to do with books and literature. You know, I think about the index, it's kind of overlooked off. And I, I don't, I know, at least for me, and I don't know about other people, but I never really think about who puts the index together, how it gets put together. Can you, can you explain a little bit about the mechanics of being an indexer? Yeah, that's a, you know, it's a, it's really kind of like a secret little world where, you know, even in the front of the book, most of the time, indexers don't even get the credit for what they do. A lot of the books that I do now, I do get the credit for it. So it's kind of like a secret thing. But basically, you know, most people either think that the author does it or a machine does it because we live in an artificial intelligent world. But most of the time, both those things don't work. A, artificial intelligence can't conceptualize. And B, um, most authors think everything is important and should be in the index. So it's it's my job as an indexer to suss out, decipher, figure out what's the most important thing on that page that needs to go into the index and should be in the index in the space allowed by the, the publisher, which is sometimes a problem. If you, you've ever looked something up in an index that wasn't there, sometimes that's not the indexer's fault. It's because the, the publisher said, we're going to do the index in two pages because that's that's all we have in the book signature. So, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, I read every page. I start with a blank page as an indexer, and I build that index from page one to page 250. Um, and usually in a matter of two or three weeks. And usually I have three or four going on. And right now about two, two or three going on at the same time. Well, that's really fascinating because exactly what you said, you know, I've, I've been there and I, I think all of our listeners probably have too. You, you look up something that you think, and you think it should be in the book and it's not in the index. You think, well, where is it? I know I saw it, but I, I can't find it again. And, and that's, uh, that's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah, I've been doing it for 23 years and it's, it's really provided me, um, with a great education because I've, I've written indexes for all varieties of books for, a variety of people from Gene Simmons, the Kiss Gene Simmons, who's a very, very good scholarly writer, to um, Paul Page, whose book I just wrote recently, The Voice of the Indianapolis 500, 
So oh, I, yeah. I indexed his memoir and then computer books and anthropological books and you name it. Yeah. Fun stuff to read too, for you that I imagine you may not pick up otherwise, but you get exposed to a, a new person or new author. Absolutely. That's, you know, and that's the joy. It's like, Oh, because as a reader, you know, I was a reader a long time before I was a writer and I was a reader a long time before I was an indexer. So, Oh, you're going to send me this book. You want me to read it and you're going to pay me for that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a good gig, man. That is at least for somebody like me. Absolutely. We also want to mention some additional work coming out this summer. Uh, you're part of an exciting anthology with Michael Zimmer, Johnny D. Boggs, and Matthew P. Mayo called Fire Mountain and Other Survival Stories. This is also from Five Star. And your short work therein is called The Buffalo Trace. Where did that story come from? Oh, that's interesting. Remind me to tell you about another one that's coming out beyond that, too, that I'm excited about. But Buffalo Trace, well, when I published the first Josiah Wolf novel, the rattlesnake season, and I was out doing signings here locally. The Hamilton County historian came up to me at a book signing at Barnes and Noble, and he said, "We were talking about Texas Rangers and the Arizona Rangers." And he said, "You know, there were Indiana Rangers." Was wow, like, which was the truth, and they came about in the early 1800s before Indiana was a state, and they patrolled southern Indiana from the capital to the river because of Indian attacks. And I thought, well, you know, that's just ripe for a story. And it took me 10 years to either put the story together or to find a place to write the story. And this is a novella, which is a whole different format. But the interesting thing about the Indiana Rangers as well is that they were women and men. Oh, wow. So that patrolled and were rangers. So, it's, it, you know, it's, it's just right. And it's just, it's right here in my backyard. And I, I was really looking for the last 10, 11 years for a place to, to write that story and popped up and seemed to be the perfect place to give it a try. So, so I'm excited about it, really excited about it. You know, it's it's another example of how just too many times I think folks like us who pay a, a little bit of attention hear that the Western is dead or that the genre is over or whatever, and yet there's always something new, isn't there? I mean, it's, there's always something that can be mined from history that especially that uh, just in general, I think that we don't know about or we don't think about because the details have never been taught to us. And I think it's up to guys like you to bring that to our attention and say, look at this. This is really interesting and cool. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited about it. And it, again, it's it was one of those things that it's in my own backyard, and I've done all of this research on Texas Rangers, and to come to find out there were Indiana Rangers. Yeah, and, right. Uh, that's uh, just that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm um, I'm really excited about it, and I kind of left that you know character open so that. And it's a female character as well. The the main character is a, a female character. Um, so I left that character open just just in case there's another chance to write about the Indiana Rangers. So what is the other project that you're excited about coming? Five Star is doing another collection of four authors uh, with novellas, but it's going to be crime mysteries. John Nesbitt's in it, Jim Jones, Phil Mills. Anyway, that it's a... Uh, it's a secondary character. It's from the Josiah Wolf series, Scrap Elliot, who rode with Josiah 
kind of gets his own spotlight in this story and gets pulled into a mystery as a he's a Texas Ranger courier in the 1880s. So he's out on his own away from Josiah, away from, you know, that universe that I created there. But within that universe as well, just a little bit farther along in time. So I was excited to give him his, his own voice. And, and I wrote that in first person instead of third person, like the Josiah books. So, so it was fun to figure that out and, and to play with it. I know what you mean, that there's there are secondary characters, there are uh, side characters that you don't get to explore in a, in a work. And to be able to come back and say, hey, I'd like to, you know, I'd take this character and some depth and background. And it helps uh, then the reader when they go back to, like in your case, they go back to the Josiah Wolf books. They'll, they'll see that character and think, oh, you know, that's really neat. So, Larry, I'd like to wrap up our conversation by pointing listeners to your website again. It's www.larry s-w-e-a-z-y.com and you can learn about Larry's books and see what he's up to and get some bio info and and just uh, all things Larry Swayze. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Rich. This has been a, a really fun and interesting conversation. So I, I'm grateful that you had me on. Thanks, Larry. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.